Welcome to The Porch. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by examining the Word of God and focusing on the Book of Acts Church to see how they serve the Lord. We find the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created. We dig deeper into Scripture. We don't water it down. We don't filter it. We take it as it was meant to be taken. We believe the church age is not over, that the day of Pentecost is ongoing, that the fire of the upper room still burns. If you want it, you can have it. It's available to you. If you know that there's more to your spiritual journey than you've experienced before, and you want to come with us as we find our way back to where we're supposed to be, you're welcome to join us. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or you can write us directly at the porch, one word, lowercase, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, and we hope that you will, and for those of you that do, we greatly appreciate it, there's ways to do so on the Firefall Talk Radio homepage. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. Make sure you subscribe to us there so that you know when a new Bible study or porch light testimony or whatever we do has been posted. If you follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you'll know those things. Make sure you connect with us there. If you want to know where those are, if you go to the Firefall Talk Radio homepage, about midway down are all the links to all the places we stream from, and to all the social media sites. We thank you for being a part of The Porch. We thank you for joining with us on this journey as we get back to where we're supposed to be. The world needs the church as it was, not as it is right now. If you need prayer, reach out to us. If you want to be a prayer warrior for us and with us, let us know. We start out with praise reports and prayer requests. Of course, I praise the Lord for my salvation, for all that he's done for me, for giving back my family, for all the technology in the studio here, and for all that he has inspired me to do. I'm thankful for my wife, sons, daughter-in-laws, grandson, furry kids. Everything we have comes from him, and I appreciate it. Tell him that every day. If you appreciate what he's done for you, make sure that he knows. Yes, he can read your mind and he knows your heart, but speak it out. Let him know there's power in the edification of glorifying your heavenly Father. So, Father, we just come to you right now in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names. We thank you for how much you love us. We thank you for loving us even when we were unlovable. We thank you for sending Yeshua to die for us, pay for our sins, so that we can be reconciled back to you. Lord, there's no way to describe our appreciation for the cross. There's just nothing we can say or do except to believe in you, follow you, love you, serve you. Thank you for shedding every drop of blood, for enduring the pain, the shame, everything that man did to you so that you could undo Adam's mistake. We thank you for sending back your Holy Spirit. 
to teach us, to walk with us, to guard us, guide us, to be there to protect us. We thank you for the angelic protection, your Psalm 91 covering. We pray that right now over each and every one of us, over our homes, our lands, our pets, our possessions, over the technology in this room. Holy Spirit, open hearts, clear minds. We take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Messiah, claiming the mind of Messiah. We cast down every vain imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge of El Elyon, God Most High, our Abba, Father. So, Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. Have your way. There's nothing we can say or do beyond that except to say, Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So open up those Bibles, get them open. A couple of weeks ago, we started out with Matthew 24, going to do it again. Then Yeshua went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Yeshua said, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, Not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Of course, he's talking about the siege of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. When the Romans quelled the the rebellion and in the process destroyed the temple. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, Olives, I don't know what an olive is, but he's on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Yeshua answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. I believe we're in a period of lawlessness, of sin, of rebellion against God and his word. And so we're seeing hatred and coldness of heart. The Lord said, take heed that no one deceives you. Be mindful of the possibility that 
of being deceived. Take notice. Beware. Be aware. False messiahs, false prophets, signs and wonders, deceiving even possible the elect if he didn't cut the time short. That's some serious deception. Luke 21, 8 says, Take heed that you not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. I believe most people are deceived because they don't know the Lord. They know of the Lord, but they don't know him. He said, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. The only way you do that is by spending time with him. The only way you do that is by by reading his word. Many people are deceived because they don't know the word. So many warnings about being deceived in the Bible. It's a sign of the end times for the church, and I believe that we are there. I know some will say, so what? So what if you're fooled and fall for the deception? No big deal, right? No. It is a big deal. I'm watching lives destroyed because people don't know the word. They don't know the voice of their shepherd. And they're hearing lying, deceiving voices. We've been warned. Forewarned is to be forearmed. Ignore that warning and set yourself on a path of deception, rebellion against the Father, and eventually judgment. Mark Twain says it's easier to fool people than to convince them they've been fooled. Boy, isn't that the truth? It's so hard to get people to understand the destructive doctrines that they are listening to in 2023. But Peter knew about it in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. He says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. Deceptive words and greedy exploitation always go together. The enemy doesn't inspire people to lie to you and fool you for nothing. Oh, it has a price. One you pay to them and one you will pay in eternity if you listen. Going on, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. But these false teachers, like unreasoning animals, mere creatures of instinct, born to be captured and destroyed, reviling things they do not understand, will also perish in their own corruption. In their destroying, they will be destroyed. Suffering wrong, destined for punishment, is the wages of doing wrong. Like I said, there's a price. They count it a delight to revel in the daytime, living luxuriously. They are stains and blemishes on mankind, reveling in their deceptions, even as they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, constantly looking for sin, enticing and luring away unstable souls. Having hearts trained in greed, they are children of a curse. 
but they are as wolves in sheep's clothing. Now remember, Second Peter was written around 64 to 65 A.D., just a few short years before his death. This is not long after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. Short period of time. And here we are, much longer period of time, and it's gotten worse. Going on in verse 18 of Second Peter 2. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. Remember, we've been talking about lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, the deception of the world. Verse 19, while they promise liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption, for by whom a person is overcome. By him also he is brought into bondage. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus the Messiah, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. If you've been set free, if they've been set free and you go back like a dog to its vomit, it's worse off for you. For it would have been better for them to not know the way of righteousness, than having known it, to turn away from the holy commandment delivered to them. Peter describes in great detail the false teachers who have already infiltrated the church from day one. Hasatan, Satan, sent them in to deceive the people and knock them off the straight and narrow path. And it falls upon their character As much as it is their spiritual nature, it's their character, they're sensual, they're arrogant, they're indulgent. A false lifestyle of false beliefs. Do I believe that God can bless us? Absolutely. Do I believe that everybody out there who's claiming to have been blessed by God is? No, I do not. I know the world and the devil can bless them just as well. And I know many are doing what they do based upon loans business. But I know this. If God blesses you, it's not for you. It's for him. It's for his kingdom. It's for his children. And when you begin to hoard it, when you begin to waste it, when you begin to spend it on things that have nothing to do with the kingdom, no matter what you say, that you enter into a deceptive relationship with the world. The false teachers, having experienced the cleansing power of Messiah, are now rejecting him by their words and their actions. They've returned to their former corrupt lifestyle and are more worse off than they were before. Believers who fall into apostasy by deliberately rejecting the death and resurrection of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, are in more tragic a position than an unconverted non-believer. Now, if you remember, we spent weeks talking about apostasy. It's in the list of the Bible studies on the various places you listen to us. Apostasy, as a reminder, is the abandonment of one's religious faith. It's abandoning what you had professed. It is a total desertion, a departure from, of your faith, your principles. It's a total abandonment 
of your belief and faith in the Lord. 1 Timothy 4.1 But the Holy Spirit explicitly and unmistakably declares that in the latter times, where we are right now, some will turn away from the faith, paying attention instead to deceitful and seductive spirits and doctrines of demons. Brothers and sisters, we can't fall for it. We just can't. We've got to get in this word. If you don't have a Bible, buy one. Remember, oh, I know, I I have one on my phone and I have one on my iPad. But if for some reason there's no power, and that happens for an extended length of time, I've got multiple tangible Bibles I can reach for. If you don't have one, and you honestly cannot afford one, you let us know. Second Peter 3, starting verse 17, Therefore let me warn you, beloved, knowing these things beforehand, be on your guard, so that you're not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and women today, who distort doctrine and fall from your own steadfastness of mind, knowledge, truth, and faith, but grow spiritually mature, there we go, spiritually mature in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. To him be glory and honor, majesty, splendor, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. They're saying it will happen. All of the disciples warned us of this deception. It will happen. Don't fall for it. That's what this Bible study is about. I'm seeing too much of that. <clears throat> Excuse me. It, it, I don't want to say it disturbs me. It bothers me. It, it, it hurts my heart to see brothers and sisters who should know better so easily fooled. Now, we're, I'm about to go to a place that it's going to step on some toes. <gasps> no, Richard, you wouldn't do that. No, you're right. I have and I will again. But I'm, full, I'm, I'm giving you a warning here. And I've heard a lot of preachers finally catching up to the fact the body needs to be warned. Go with me to Hebrews 6, verse 4. And hear this by the Spirit. Hear this by the word of the Lord. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. Deception is meant to destroy you, to destroy your relationship with the Lord, to destroy your relationship with your Abba Father, and to get you to condemn yourselves to the same fate as Satan and the fallen. They want to trip you up so you fall into that lake of fire with them. Don't fall for it. There's no upside to this thinking. There is none. 
what, momentary worldly pleasure or fame or accolades or any of those things? Is that worth it? Well, the Lord says otherwise. Matthew sixteen twenty six. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? says it in Luke 9.25, What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourselves are lost or destroyed? Wealth, fame, success, and you forfeit everything, you forfeit your eternity. It happens. I've seen it. People that should know better fall for the lies of the enemy, fall for the deception Fall for the lies of false grace. Oh, don't worry about it. You can just say you're sorry and go back to him later on. Can you repent? Yeah. If all it is is a a mistake or you got deceived, but if you walk away from the Lord, if you say, no, I'm not going to follow you, I'm not going to do these things, and you already said you did, that you knew him, you run the risk of what The writer of Hebrews, which many believe is Paul speaking, Luke writing, is saying, don't be deceived. He's a holy God. Yes, he's a loving father, but he's a holy, righteous God. And we shouldn't tempt him. We shouldn't put him in a position where he has to correct us. And I will tell you, from personal experience, correction may not be instantaneous. He may allow you a little slack in the line, waiting for you to say, no, help me, and get off the hook that the enemy's got you on. And the enemy's not going to throw the lock on the reel because he wants you to run a little bit so that when he throws it, that hook gets embedded and you're stuck. Right now, in the name of Yeshua, if there's any part of your life that you believe that you fit in this category, Let's stop. Let's pray. Let's repent. Let's ask the Lord to forgive us. That the blood that he shed on that cross would wash you clean. Would get that hook, get that bondage, get that chain off of you. And that you would be made righteous before it's too late. We're watching a world hurtling towards oblivion. Hurtling towards the final judgment. And for many... It's almost too late. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treated with contempt, nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. For whatever a man sows, this And only this is what he will reap. For the one who sows to his flesh, his sinful capacity, his worldliness, his disgraceful impulses, will reap from the flesh ruin and destruction. But the one who sows to the Spirit, as us, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap if we do not give in. 
Don't get discouraged. Maybe you're walking the walk. Maybe you're believing and it's a struggle and you're not seeing the benefit. You're not seeing the, the promises, the prophecies, or whatever be fulfilled. Don't give in. Don't fall for the temptation. Don't fall for the seduction. The principle of sowing and reaping was known to everybody in the, in the largely agricultural society of that day. We, For most part, we don't understand that. But whatever seed you plant is the crop you're going to get. I know I've shared this with you, but even after I got saved, there were moments I struggled with things, struggled with debt, struggled with mistakes made with credit, crying out to the Lord, you know, help me. And one time he said, I didn't tell you to do those things, did I? (coughs) No, he did not. So I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Please help me. And then he did. And he still does. You know, that's grace. His grace is still amazing. It's always available. As long as we're not arrogant or hard-headed or get cold of heart. We need to be like our puppy, Abby. She does what puppies do. She drives us crazy at times. I tell people she's incredibly sweet with a dash of Tasmanian devil. But when she does wrong, she knows it. And she's crestfallen. And she looks at you knowing she's displeased you. And she wants nothing more than to not feel that way and for you not to be angry with her. This morning, this is nothing to do with anything, but in the morning she lays down on her bed and I lay on the sofa next to her and she's had a rough couple of days and I heard her move. I was thinking she's going to wander around and she just got up, licked my elbow and laid back down. There's a lesson there. We know that like a puppy dog, we can get a little foolish. Say you're sorry. Let him know you know. But if you don't do that, I'm going to tell you right now, it is futile to mock God. It's futile for a believer to think that if you sow to your flesh, if you live out all the things you know you're not supposed to do, if you feed those impulses, that you will escape the harvest of destruction and judgment that comes upon those who participate in sin. In case you've forgotten, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, lays out the fruit of the flesh. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, pray. Pray for him to fill you. Because here's what you want. You want the manifestation of the gifts, and you want the manifestation of the fruit and the two must work together hand in hand now the work of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication and sex outside of marriage uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry sorcery hatred, contention jealousies, outbursts of wrath 
selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you before, Paul says, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice habitually do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want the kingdom of God in my life. I want to live in it full time. I want to walk in it. And I can't do that if I'm somebody who habitually disobeys, does what I know I should not do. Remember we talked about if I do that which I don't want to do, it's not me who does it, but sin in me. That's back in Romans. Well, if that's you right now, I just pray for you, Father, in the name of Yeshua, whatever that besetting sin is, whatever that bondage is, whatever that thing is that trips up my brother and sister, I come into agreement with them for it to be gone, to leave them, to be gone to the dry and uninhabited places of the earth and to not come back again and for them to be healed and delivered of it. In Yeshua's name, amen. Corruption in these contexts, is is referring to a field in which the produce is too rotten to harvest. It's no good for anything but being destroyed. Now, sometimes corruption refers to eternal destruction, the losing of our salvation, or never having been saved at all. All of these things are tragic, and all of these things are the reward for carnal fleshly behavior. How much more can he tell us? How much more can he warn us that it is impossible to restore and bring again to repentance those who have once been enlightened, tasted that heavenly gift, and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have felt the good word of God in their life and the power of the Holy Spirit, the dunamis of the age and the the world to come, if they deviate from the truth, willingly turn their back and break allegiance. It's impossible to renew them to repentance. You can't nail them to the cross again. Remember the first time I read that, it shook me. I knew I would never do that, but it shook me because I knew people would. I sat and listened to somebody denounce his Christianity. I heard him say, I reject it. I denounce it. I no longer believe in Jesus as my Savior, and I want nothing to do with him. I cannot tell you, I felt it. It was a gut punch. All because God didn't answer his prayer and and save his mother, who was dying of cancer. Just because God didn't do what he wanted to do him to do, he threw a tantrum. It goes on, verse 7, For the soil which has drunk the rain that repeatedly falls upon it and produces vegetation, vegetation useful to those for whose benefit it is cultivated partakes of a blessing from God. But if that same soil persistently bears thorns and thistles. It is considered worthless and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. 
I don't I don't believe anybody listening to me or tuning in to the porch fits in this category. At least I would hope not. But I know you know people who do. We must take care. We must tend to the temple that he's given us and live out the promises. See, we are the temple of God, filled with his Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3, starting verse 12. Let me, let me stop for a second here. I know this is serious. We're living in serious times that at any moment the enemy could take you out. The sky could fall in, literally. We have enemies on our borders. We have things going on in the world that at any moment with the leadership we have could go south on us and do us grievous harm. Now, for those of us that are born again and know where we spend our eternity, we know how it all winds up. But let's be diligent. Let's pay attention. We have a job to do. Get people saved, healed, and delivered. Set the captives free. Destroy the work of the enemy. And for me and for the calling of SRT, living out Luke 4.18. Living out Ephesians 5.11. But if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw... Each one's work will be clearly shown for what it is. This is 1 Corinthians 3, starting verse 12. For the day of judgment will disclose it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality and the character and the worth of each person's work. If any person's work which he has built, on this foundation that is, any outcome of his effort remains and survives this test, He will receive a reward. But if any person's work is burned up by the test, he will suffer the loss of his rewards, yet he himself will be saved, but only as one who has barely escaped through the fire. Do you not know and understand that you, the church, are the temple of God and that the Spirit dwells permanently in you, both collectively as a body and individually, If anyone destroys the temple of God, corrupting it with false doctrine, beliefs, sinful actions, God will destroy the destroyer. For the temple of God is holy, it's sacred, and that is what you are. You are the temple of the living God. Please treat it as such. Please take care of it to the best of your ability. You know, Paul repeats that phrase, do you not know, nine more times in chapters 5 and 6, each time followed by an important truth. Do you not know and understand? That's what he's saying. Well, if you've read the Word and you've listened to my preaching and teaching, you should know. He's saying that. I guess I just said it too. I'm not here to entertain you, though I sometimes believe that I am entertaining. 
through bad jokes and flubs and some of the things I do. It's not my intention. Uh, Maybe sometimes. This is serious stuff. This is life and death. And I know that there's a roaring lion. There's a there's an animal, there's a, a demon, there's a fallen angel, there's a something that was once worshipped as a god out there looking to destroy you, to destroy me. Don't fall for it. Don't let it happen. Don't get into the trap. Don't become complacent and lazy. Start each day being proactive. Know this. Understand it. Believe it. As believers in Yeshua, we identify with the death on the cross that has set us free from the law of sin and death. And we have been joined with him to bear fruit, good fruit in God. He who sows to the Spirit will reap everlasting life. Doesn't mean that eternity, eternal life is earned by works. Don't get me wrong there. Paul's saying that everlasting life is the glorious end of those who follow the guidance of the Spirit. Romans 6.22 But now, having been set free from sin, that's me, that's you, raise your hand, say amen. But now, having been set free from sin, having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. I am a willful slave to God. I'm a slave to God. I'm a slave to the Lord. I'm a slave to righteousness. And that resulting sanctification makes us holy and set apart for God's purpose. And the outcome of that is a glorious eternal life in which there will be rewards. There will be crowns. So what do we do? We do the things that lead to holiness and result in a glorious eternal life. Yeshua said that he came so that we would have life and have it more abundantly. John 10.10 The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. That word abundantly in the Greek, parasos, it means beyond what is anticipated, exceeding expectation, more abundant, going past the expected limit. It means more than enough. And I saw that and I went, I've seen that phrase before. El Shaddai, our Abba Father is the God of more than enough. It's one of the seven covenant names that God used to describe himself to Israel. The all-sufficient one, the God who is more than enough, Genesis 17.1, if you're looking it up. El Shaddai. Sometimes I like to say his names. I know the enemy doesn't like it, and I know it drives them crazy. But I do it because I like the way they sound. Abba, to me, is the best name of all. 
So in this life that we live with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the permanent abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, we have been given the ability, if we want it, I do, you should, to develop a capacity to experience Messiah to the fullest now and in the life to come. What part of your life is lacking that? What are you doing to keep yourself from experiencing that? I'll tell you one thing you're doing, and we all do it. We listen to the world. We listen to the enemy. We, we think that the world has the answers. It doesn't. So let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Keep doing good. Keep doing what you know you're supposed to do. Keep believing the blessing's coming. I've said this before, but this is how I live. I get up each morning expecting that's the day of manifestation of the blessings. And if they don't happen at the end of the day, I pray. I thank God for that day, and I believe that it'll be the next day. And I keep going until the manifestation happens. I'm always available to him in believing to receive. Bible, The Believer's Bible Commentary says, Lest any should become discouraged, Paul's reminding his readers that the rewards are certain, even if not immediate. You do not harvest the field of wheat the day you sow the seed. So in the spiritual realm, the rewards surely follow faithful sowing in due season. We live in a fast food, name it and claim it, I want it now life. That's our society. That's what some preach and teach. That doesn't line up with the word of God. It doesn't line up with the concept of seasons, rain, heat, cold, all those things necessary for a good crop. But our work as believers, our effort, let's call it that. I know some don't like that name, that word, work. But our efforts and our actions are meant to benefit us and enhance our spiritual behavior. So let's not get tired. Believe me, I get weary. I use that word, let's not grow weary. And sometimes I'll tell the Lord. Lord, I'm weary. I'm weary of the wait, but I press on. I believe. I keep praying. I keep knocking. I keep seeking. And I live Galatians 5.25. If we live in the Spirit, let's walk in the Spirit. Let us walk in the Spirit. Let us be assured of the strength that He's given us to walk out this life in this fallen world that at times... It's just downright unlivable. Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. If we don't give up, if we don't give up, promises are going to happen. Keep praying. You're praying for somebody to get saved. Don't give up. And if something were to happen and You'd leave this world. He'd get somebody else to pray, but don't give up until you see them get saved, until you hear from somebody, hey, they prayed the prayer of salvation. They're in the kingdom. Be steadfast in your faith. Go with me to Luke 18, verse 1. 
Yeshua told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and then not to turn coward, faint, lose heart, give up. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither revered or feared God nor respected or considered man. You know, we have a lot of those today. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, protect and defend and give me justice against my adversary. And for a time he would not. But later he said to himself, though I neither have reverence or fear for God nor respect or consideration for man, yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will protect, I will defend and protect and avenge her, lest she give me intolerable annoyance and wear me out by her continual coming, or at the last she come and rail on me or assault me or strangle me. And then the Lord said, listen to what this unjust judge says. And will not our just God defend and protect and avenge his elect, his chosen ones, who cry to him day and night? Will he defer them and delay their help on their behalf? I tell you, the Lord says, he will defend and protect and avenge them speedily. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find persistence in faith on the earth? I've had people say to me, pray it, believe it, don't say it again. That's not what this parable says. That's not what the parable at the man who needs food because a guest showed up and is knocking on his neighbor's door late at night because he needs bread. Seek, knock, don't give up, keep praying, in faith, believing, not whining or complaining, reminding him. You're a good God. You're a great God. You're my Abba Father. We need to do good. But remember, our actions do not earn us eternity. He did that on the cross. We're not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus the Messiah. Even we have believed in Messiah Yeshua, that we might be justified by faith in Messiah, not by the works of the law. Because of the works of the, from the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Galatians 2.16. That's not what this is about. That's what some out there who have wandered away from Messianic Judaism back to the law try to tell you. And I'm going to tell you right now, those people fit where we started. They accepted what Yeshua did for them, but went back to the law. And remember... The early church, Paul's teaching the Greeks, the Gentile believers. Peter, James, and John are talking to the Jewish believers. And John a little bit of both. Many believers who were once Jews and accepted Yeshua as the Messiah went back to the law. There was no return for them. Remember Galatians 3.3, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, you're now made perfect by the flesh. Galatians 5.4 and 5, have you become estranged from Messiah? You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith that God has planned for each believer. 
no matter how bad it gets, no matter how hopeless you feel, no matter what lies the enemy tells you, no matter what people say when they berate you or ridicule you, don't fall for it. Don't give in. Don't go back. Don't turn back. Like like Lot's wife who was told not to look back, and she did. Didn't work out well for her. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we, you and I, are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Good works, good fruit, good ministry, doing things. I gave you the fruit of the flesh before. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, do you struggle with the... Suddenly felt like one of those nighttime commercials. Do you struggle with such and such? Well, send us $49.95. Now, do you struggle with the things of the flesh that are listed in Galatians 5, 19 through 20, 21. If you do, here's what I suggest. Either put it on a bookmark or put it on your phone or put it someplace. Start each day and bind the fruit of the flesh, the work of the flesh. Bind them. Speak them out. Say No. You will no longer function. You no longer do what you do. And then loose, permit the fruit of the Spirit into your life. Binding is forbidding. Loosing is permitting. But we can't live contradictorily. Contradictory. I'm just making up words tonight. Is somebody keeping track of this? Oh, the recording is. I'll have my new dictionary out soon. Paul is showing us the contradictory ways in a Christian's life, a believer's life. Let's not do that. Let's not be two-faced. Do we fail? Yeah, I do. I get frustrated with myself. The old nature rises up. The, The old triggers of the old programming that we still have rise up. And then I stop, and I repent, and I bind it, and I ask for forgiveness. I say, Lord, show me why I did that. Most of it's fear-based. I'll tell you right now, most anger, most outburst, most uh, uh, things we say, it's, it's fear-based. We're not in control. Somebody's done something we didn't expect or we don't like. But here's the deal, Second Corinthians 5.10. But we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah. And each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Everybody's going to stand before that great white throne. Thankfully, when I do, and by the way, you stand there by yourself. Nobody's going to be there with you. So it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what you think. And it's between you and him. 
But when I stand there, all the ungodly, sinful, demonic things I did in my life have been blotted out by the blood. I've been saved. I've been healed. I've been delivered. As my paisan, my departed brother Carmen, used to sing. Revelation 22, 12. And behold, I'm coming quickly, says the Lord. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. We have the example of the fallen angels. Of what happens when you embrace error. When you listen to the lies of Hasatan. We have the example of being led astray and leading to corruption. And destruction is a final reward. Look at the people before the flood. Deception. Feeling deceived and being deceived. Steals from us. Steals from others. It affects us eternally. I have family members. I have people I care about. Friends I pray for every day who I know are not born again, whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. And I beseech, Lord, send an angel. Send someone to tell them. Give me the ability to go. Think about being highly mobile. The prayer for me and for SRT and for the porch and firefall is to be able to go. Get in a car, motorhome, or get on a plane. Because people aren't doing it. People aren't telling anybody, oh, you know this this thing about faith, it's a private thing. No, it's not. It wasn't private when he hung on a cross, naked, stripped to the bone, filleted like a piece of meat, high enough so that everybody could see him from every part of Jerusalem. There's nothing private about that. Don't give me this nonsense that I used to hear in the church when I was growing up. It's very public. The law of sowing reaping applies to all of us. Do not be deceived. Don't be caused to wander. Don't be led astray. Don't fall for it. Don't let this happen to you. And we have access to the information that keeps us from falling for it. I think I am going to stop here. It's going to stop a little bit later, but I think this is a good place to stop and for us to pray. Now, look, again, I'm sorry if this sounds harsh. I'm concerned for the body, for some of you people I care about, people I love. I'm concerned for where this world is going and people are not ready. I don't always tell you the things I see in the spirit of the dreams and the visions or the the supernatural experiences I've had. When we had uh, reflections in the dark, sometimes on Sunday night I would do that. I don't, I don't do that. I'm not, I don't want to draw attention to myself. But I can tell you, I've seen what's coming. I know what the enemy's doing. I know what he's about to do. I know what they are about to do. You want to be ready. Thinking about doing 
a teaching on spiritual warfare and preparation for what's coming. And if I don't do it as a part of the porch, I'll do it as a separate um, teaching, maybe under the banner of Reflections in the Dark, SRT. I don't know yet, but it's been rolling through my spirit that some of you that are new in the faith that have just discovered the porch sitting there. I don't, Richard, I don't even really know what you're talking about. Felt like something was in my house the other night or something was around and I really didn't know what to do. Well, Father, we come to you now. Your Holy Spirit can tell us what to do. In a moment, in an emergency, you can tell us what you told us to learn. Do not be ignorant of the wiles, of the deceptions, of the actions of the enemy. But right now, search us, Holy Spirit, like a spiritual dye looking for any tumors or cancers or any parts of our spiritual body that are ill or sick or out of order. Search us. Show us. So that we can repent and be healed and be delivered. We want to be whole. We want to be strong. We want to be what you need us to be in this time. I'm speaking to you as my brothers and sisters. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, be made whole. And if there's anything in you that is not of the Father, of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit, if there's anything left over from your past, if there's anything the enemy has snuck in or put upon you to trip you up by the authority of the name above all names, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, it must leave you. And if you agree with me, say, get out of here. Amen. I don't want it. I don't want to be like this. I don't want this in my life. I don't want this pain in my heart. I don't want this fear in my mind. Lord, we need you. We need help. Each and every one of us, no matter how long we've been saved, Holy Spirit, we need help. Parakletos walking with us, encouraging us. We need help. We've been tripped up. We've fallen for it before. And luckily, we've been able to get up quickly. But some we know are going to fall right into that lake of fire. So give us the courage and the love and the ability to speak to them. To keep that from happening to them. Holy Spirit, fill us right now with the fruit. Let us bear fruit. Fill us right now with the gifts. Each and every one necessary to do what we need to do. Seal us in the armor of God. Overshadow us with the wings in Psalm 91. Keep us hidden. Keep us protected. Keep us filled. More than anything, let us shine your love. Let us take that love into a world, a dark and dying world, and tell them about Yeshua, Jesus. Son of the living God, our Savior, our Messiah. In Jesus' name, Yeshua's name, amen. May the Lord, may Adonai bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May Adonai, Yeshua HaMashiach, King of kings and Lord of lords, from the throne itself, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.